0: Welcome to the ministry Life. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your patience. We we just lingered a little longer in the, in the worship of our living God. And uh, here we are now. Here we are now refreshed by His presence. Refreshed by the confidence that we have in Him. This great confidence that we have in Him that we call faith. an assurance that if He be for us, if our God, If the Almighty God, the Creator of heaven and earth, be for us, what can be against us? What can man do to us? Absolutely nothing but marvel at the glory of God that's about to be demonstrated and really has been up until now even demonstrated through us, the believer. Those that we are the born again, the begotten again to our Father, to this new and living way of Christ. Last week, Sunday's message, the Lord, the, the Lord brought an adjustment even to my sight. And we talked about this living faith that we have in Christ. Living faith is to see the living one. Living faith is to fix your gaze on Jesus, who is the Word made flesh. And so when we behold the Word, when we behold the Word in the glory of He Himself, faith is being birthed and developed and grown up in our hearts. So we will walk earth as the very sons of God, to be solely led by the Holy Spirit, Think about it. What What is it to have only one unction? And that is our truth in Christ. There ought to be only one unction of a lead for the entirety of our life right after this new birth in Christ. And that is the lead of the Holy Spirit. The very wisdom of God to mark our lives and to navigate us out of every snare in pure tribe, in the sight of every fallen foe. (laughs) And for the devil to once again know he is fully defeated because we now have been given the Holy Spirit to lead us in the good shepherdship of Jesus. Living faith is to behold the living God. And so my message today is a true continuous. And really, uh, I I really, my desire, the point of, at the end of all that I ever do for him, is that there be a continuance of utterance, a growth of understanding. There will never be one over there, another there, uh, haphazard spoken words. The, The Holy Spirit is pure flow. The flow of the Spirit is always precept upon precept. Here little, there little. Line upon line. From glory to glory. And so this message comes from last week's message. Last week's message came from the week before's message. And last week we talked about faith is fixed gaze in Jesus. And we really uh, looked from Hebrews 12 and Hebrews 11, that which the Lord had spoken to me, the first few verses of those two chapters, how they really are an expression of truth that looks like living faith. In Hebrews 11, 1, to 3, it reads, Now faith is. Faith is not was, will be, one day. You might have faith if you do just every little Christian rule and regulation. Now faith is now, as Jesus is now, as God is, as He is, so are we. And so faith is. Right now, living, ever-abiding, ever-breathing reality of Christian life, faith. This life that we live here on earth is through the faith of the Son of God, who loved us and laid down His life for us. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it, through faith, by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. And then, of course, Hebrews 11 lists a lot of the elders that have gone before us that apart this great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on into this marvelous run of faith, this race of faith, this good fight of faith, this triumphant march of a Christian. Called into the very army of God to dominate every circumstance and every spiritual moment to the glory of God. Dominion. Faith is dominion on earth. To believe against every foul deception that is being uttered right now. To have a mind that is the mind of Christ. A sound mind to discern what's right and wrong. And to walk unmarked unmarked by the false illusions that are found in the world. Faith is evidence. Faith is substance, and when we hold on to this evidence and substance, and last week's message, I'd recommend you listen to it. We, We looked at that being Jesus. The Word of God is my evidence. The Word of God is my substance. The very blood and body of the Master. To be a disciple of the living God, by partaking of the substance of His body, which is the word of God, how do you partake of the substance of body? You digest his word. You digest, if he be for me, who can be against me? You digest that I will never be rejected. For God is my helper. What can men do to me? From Hebrews 13. By digesting that now I am born again. I'm a brand new creation in Christ. Behold, the old foolishness has passed away. I have a new identity, which is from above. And so I fix my gaze on those things which are above. I digest truth so I can become true, walked out, lived out. A Christian It's not one. That goes to church every Sunday and with service. And that is a good thing to do, but not in definition of what it is to be a Christian. A Christian is a follower of Christ. He's a doer of the word of God. A Christian is a partaker of the divine nature that we see here in this word. A Christian is triumphant above every moment of every situation in your life. No matter how you feel, you know you've overcome it. No matter what it looks like, you know you've overcome it. No matter what the naysayers say, you know you've overcome it. How? Because I have substance and I have confidence and I'm fired up. Because if this is not my truth, then it's it's vanity. It's in vain. And like Paul says, we should be pitied. The most out of all men, if these are just mere fables. But I know this is true to me. This is true to the world, not just my truth. This is His truth. God Himself is truth. And verse 3, we looked at last week, that the sole understanding that we can have living life on earth, it is through the Word of God. That framed the world. And there we spoke about even our lives are to submit to be submitted to the framing of his words. because we know that what is seen is not made of things which are visible. And then we saw the expression of these three verses in, in Hebrews 12, 1, to three, and I'll read that as well, because it's from here I'll build the message for today. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, the title for today is, See the One That Sees You. See the One That Sees You. Fixing our gaze on the One That Sees You, the God of sight. El Roy, the God that sees me. One of his name in Hebrews is El Roy, the God that sees me. That Hagar called him in the waters when she was a forsaken woman, rejected by her mistress. Sent away by the master, pregnant woman that submitted to the word of her mistress to, to go and lay with Abraham. That a descendants bore to him. She submitted. And then thus was rejected by Sarah herself. The game of the wise words of go lay down and be a wife to my husband. and was scorned and sent. And she took off into the desert, into the wilderness, a pregnant woman. And the Lord meets her there and comforts her. We'll look at that. That's in Genesis. But see the one that sees you today. See the one that has placed you in this race of faith. That you're not only running before the old seeing God, but you're running before a great crowd of witnesses that is seeing you as well. And cheering on, run child, run and give our heavenly Father glory on earth. Run child, the hour is almost now. Here it is. This is the greatest hour of the body of Christ. Not to hide, but to stand out. And so what? The persecution. They all were persecuted. The chapter of the Hebrews of faith, they all were persecuted. How about Apostle Paul? Fighting with beasts in Ephesus. Left for dead. How many times shipwrecked? Bitten with those lashes. 40 minus 1. To talk to God. And though in the last hour he writes that no one stood by his defense but his master, Jesus. What a glorious testimony of a one that lives life before God alone. And to the outer man, the most painful moment of life. I just did a recording, to me and Talk on Rejection. Rejection that's found in the world has no dominion nor say so my life, of how I live my life before God. For before God I am fully accepted. And so here we have a race to run before a great cloud of witnesses. Therefore we're to let go of all the hindrances, of the way the sin that so easily ensnares us, and to run this race with endurance that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the one that sees us. The all-seeing God that so loved me, He sent His Son to die for me. That so loved me, He foreknew me, He predestined me. The ones who knew me even before my mommy and daddy knew me. That one, I live life before Him now. That one, looking unto Jesus, the author, the author, he's the author and the finisher. He's my starting point and my finish point. And all in the middle, my all in all is only found in him. The finisher of our faith, the completer of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, endured the cross. Come on, we can endure some things too because he went before us and took it all. Despising the shame and has sat down, has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now last week I didn't read verse three, but I, I, I want to read verse three because it's part of it. For we consider him, we consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls, in your mind, in your emotions. And so fixing my gaze on Jesus, living faith, that faith is now substance, faith is now my reality, my evidence, looks like a consideration, a gaze that never departs the one who endured such hostility from men, lest I give up and succumb to this hostility and this rejection that's found in the fickleness of men. They like him one day, they don't like him the other day. Oh, she's so, so good. She's not so, so good. Oh, he's such a powerful preacher. Oh, no, I don't like his preaching anymore. Fickleness up and down. God is about godly character. God is about godly character. And this formation, and the more I walk this Christian walk, in that which he's revealing to me daily, it's about Grooming a character of Christ within me that doesn't shift with every shifting shadow. They say, do this. Okay, I'll do that. Don't do that. Okay, I'm not absolutely not. We don't bow to doctrines of man. We do what the word says. We stand before him, before the all-seeing God. We took consideration because faith is this consideration. The substance of knowing he endured so I can endure hostility. And knowing this hostility was directed against he himself. He wasn't just having an off day where suddenly he felt everyone was against him. But really no one was. No, the truth is he was hated by man. I'm not talking. This is what you confess over your life. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, consider, take a note. Meditate what he went through so you can overcome it gladly. Lest we become weary and park and get washed away. Be part of this great falling away. Every day we make these choices. To consider him who's gone before us. That is what looks like to fix your gaze. A consideration of endurance. A persevering that is of God. A perseverance that is of God. Is it hard? Yes, it's supposed to be hard. Endurance is required. How else would you know to withstand all? How else would you know you're a champion if you don't overcome all? In the midst of hostility. And so Hagar had to do that, did she not? Let's go now to, we're going to start today's message. Genesis 16. On the story of Hagar, I did a, I did a little sum up here. Sarah was barren, her womb was barren, and she had a bright idea. And so the Lord opened Hagar's womb. And she conceived, and that was not a thrill to Sarah's heart. And so she despised Hagar. And went to Abraham and says, you know, let it go. You know, just Abraham said to Sarah, indeed, verse 6, 16, 6, Abraham said to Sarah, indeed, your maid is in your hands. Do to her as you please. And when Sarah dealt, this is, yeah, end of verse six, chapter six in Genesis. And when Sarah dealt harshly with her, with Hagar, Hagar, she fled from her presence. Verse seven. Now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness. A spring of water. By a spring of water. In the wilderness. By the spring on the way to Sure. And he said, Hagar, hey Sarah's maid, where have you come from and where are you going? Look at yourself, girl. So she said, I'm fleeing from the presence of a mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress. God's instruction is never about how we feel. He does not consider how we feel, but we are to consider him alone. His divine purpose for our lives. Return to your mistress and submit yourself unto her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly on the promise because what he promised to Abraham, his friend. God is considering Hagar in her situation of distress. I'll multiply your descendants exceedingly so that they shall not be counted, for they shall not be counted for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son, you shall call his name Ishmael. Because the Lord has heard your affliction, he shall be a wild man, his hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him. He knows your beginning and your end. He knows you. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Verse 13. Then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. Elroy. You are the God who sees. You are the God that sees me. You know my beginning and you know my end. You call the end from the beginning. You resurrect the dead back to life. You are the God who sees. For she said, have I also seen him? Have I also seen him who sees me? And this is where my title came. This is a very dear portion of scripture to me. See the one that sees you. See the compassionate gaze of your master over your life. No matter the hostility you find yourself in the middle of, the rejection that you are overcoming, David. See him who sees you. Verse fourteen. Therefore, the well, that spring of that well, the spring of water. Therefore, the well was called Beer Lahoi, Lahai Roy. Observe, it is between Kadesh and Bered, and I have a little in my concordance note. That that well is called, literally, the well of the one who lives and sees me. Do you know that is the Lord Jesus Christ? The well of the living one who knows me, who sees me. The one that I abide in, the true vine, the good shepherd. That I now move and have my being in that one, that I'm running this race before him. So why be troubled today? Verse 15, so Hagar bore Abraham a son, and Abraham named his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. And Abraham was eight and six years old. And when Hager boy smells so now we go to the next moment here I want to go to second chronicles. what am I talking about? Trust the one that sees you. Hmm. Do not entrust yourself on a circumstance that you think because you feel it and you know its moment better than the unseen God you do not see Don't entrust in that which is tangible. Don't entrust yourself on your carnal flesh to take you out of trouble. Running away is how the flesh does it. But in Christ, we face it. In Christ, we overcome it. In Christ, we trust the one that has called us in this race of faith. And here is the story of one of Judah's king, Asa. Actually, before I read about this, I, I came across an article. I came ac- across an article uh, based on this verse in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. I'll read the verse and then I'll talk about Asa for a moment. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong. For the Lord to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. I think the New American Standard translation of that verse is, is, is to those whose heart is fully and completely God's. So the eyes of the Lord, the one that sees, is scanning the scope of this earth. Looking for the one who has not bowed and need to bow. Looking for the one who's standing loyal to the precepts of God, to the lead of his spirit. Why? Because he's the all-seeing God. Why? Because his love towards you wants to be demonstrated to make you strong to withstand because you have a heart that's upright towards you, to fortify you today. And so, this is in the context of Asa because Asa was not loyal to God at that moment. He chose the arm of flesh. He made the pact with the enemy for preservation of his kingdom when God had called him to, a ki- to be a king to Judah. Of the lineage of David, based on a covenant call and a premise of, of preservation. But no, Asa did not trust that. Protection, the hand of protection of God. And when for the hand of man. And if we, if we continue with that verse, verse nine, the prophet, Hanani, the seer, that had come to ask in the statement said to him, In this you have done foolishly. As I can say. In this you've done foolishly. Therefore, from now on you shall have wars. And what did, instead of it, Convicting Asa's heart, Esther was angry with the seer and put him in prison, for he was enraged at him that brought forth the word of the Lord to him. Now I want to be independent. I want to do just like the world does. I want to preserve my little turf. Starting the beginning of that chapter 16 in the 36th year of the reign of Asa. The 36th year of the reign of Asa. No matter how long you serve God, to the very end, you want to find yourself faithful to Him. Because He is the completer of our faith. And so to the very end, we behold Him for this completion of faith. In the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Bashat, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah, that he might let none go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah, a siege. Then Asa, what did Asa do? Go call on the Lord? No, he did not. Then Asa brought silver and gold from the treasures of the house of the Lord. Use God's treasure. brought the treasures of the house of the Lord and of the king's house, and said to whom an enemy, Ben-Hadad, the king of Syria, who dwelt in Damascus, saying, Let there be a treaty between you and me, as there was between my father and your father. See, I've sent you silver and gold. Come, break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. And so Ben-Hadad, he did King Asa and sent the captain of his armies against the cities of Israel. They attacked Ijon, Dan, Abel, Maim, and all the storage cities of Naphtali. Now it happened when Bashar heard it that he stopped building Ramah and ceased his work. And King Asa took all Judah and they carried away the stones and timber of Ramah, which Bashar had used for building. With, and with them he built Giba and Mizpah. Now, that was not on a good account. No, the king returned back and and released the siege. As to gets rebuked for this action. Why? Because God sees all things. He sees the intents of our heart. So I want to read here this particular article. Uh, Misplaced trust is one of the sub points of this little article I came across and it reads, the sad reality, the sad reality Is that God's chosen people were off and on in their obedience and in confidence, in their confidence in God. And even worse, and even worse, their kings were no better. If we review the books of first and second kings and first and second chronicles, you find that the bad kings outnumbered the good kings at a ratio of something like 31 to four or five. Disloyal hearts. 31 to 4 or 5 plus about 4 or 5 more who started off on the right foot and ended up practicing evil by the end of their reigns. Often the problem of the kings and their followers was their, was their determination, their hardened heart, can I say to trust in political solutions and negotiations to keep their cities and their territories safe. And don't think like that is there, not me. What are you negotiating in your head to keep your little position? What are you compromising on? To have a monthly income? To preserve your little turf? All of us are in this moment to check our hearts they be loyal to God. So they they relied on on political negotiations, political solutions to keep their cities, their territories. Many prophets warned them. Warned not to tr- they warned them not to trust in in other kings and other countries for protection, but to trust that God in his temple would be their defense and firm foundation. But neither Israel nor Judah would listen. As God's people trusted Egypt and other allies to fight for their battles, God warned them that he would remove his covering from his people. If they chose to follow other kings and worship other gods and idols, and of course we know Jeremiah prophesied how they're going to go in captivity unless they repent. They did not repent. And what happened? They were sent for 70 years to Babylon. And so the lesson for today is see the one that sees you. Live life before the one that sees you because you will. You will give an account because the eye of the Lord runs to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal, whose heart is loyal towards him. Yes, the new American standard is that the Lord. The eye of the Lord roams throughout the earth so that he may strongly support, not to condemn it, but to strongly support those whose heart is completely his. Completely his. The amplified of that verse, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth so he may support those whose heart is completely his. It's very much the same. the new living, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to God. And I understand we go from glory to glory. And so I know my commitment before the Lord is a lot more firmer now than it was maybe even a year ago. And I'm trusting that a year from now, my heart of loyalty towards God be even more committed or given over to his life within me, So that he'll strengthen me for this end lap in this race of faith. Because we are in the last hour. We are in the last hour. Hmm. Let's go to Luke. And just like I read that little article, it is to do with whom you fear. It is to do with whom you fear. That's where you put your trust. Is the one that you serve, is the one that you revere. And we know the word says you can't serve two masters. You hate the one and love the other. And so let's go to to. Uh, uh, uh. let's go to Luke twelve in this one. Matthew Mark Luke, yeah. His eyes on the sparrow. Luke 12, 4 and 7. 4 to 7. Hmm. These are the words of Jesus, right after He, he brings forth, he says, you know, be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And um, in verse 2, he says, For there's nothing covered that would not be revealed. Nor hidden that would not be known. Why? <laughs> because we live life before the one that sees all. Well, I, I, I think sometimes we pull around with our own little selves. Oh, you don't see me, God. You don't see me, God. Oh, you don't. See, oh, it's okay. You forget about this moment, God. We're moving right along, God. That's the last hour. we to consider the one who's gone before us who endurance facility against his own self from all men. The way of the leaven of the Pharisees, this is um end of verse 1 in, in, in 12. The way of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, for there is nothing covered, there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. You know, sometimes we fear more men for them to find out rather than God who already knows. Don't fear men. Live life before God sees you, the one that's looking for your heart to bestow towards him, so he can fortify you in this hour, not destroy you, build you up as a mighty tower, a rescue mission to the world. There's nothing covered that will not be revealed, nor hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you've spoken in the dark will be heard in the light. Whatever you've spoken in the ear in the inner room will be proclaimed on the house tops, and this is it. And I say to you the very words of Jesus. He says, and I say to you, look, my my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. Don't fear, man. Don't live in pretense like the hypocrites, the Pharisees, that they look good before men. All your deeds are going to be exposed. Who cares if men know or don't know? The Lord sees all. And in your weakest hour, he'll strengthen you like we saw with Hagar. And in your strongest hour, should you have leaned on the arm of flesh like Asa, he'll rebuke you. But thank God for the chastening of the Lord. Don't fear men. Don't be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. I'll show you whom you shall fear. The words of Jesus, I'll show you whom you shall fear, Jesus says. Fear him who after he is killed has power to cast into hell. Hell is real. Hell is eternity forever. damnation Our human mind cannot fathom. Thank God for that. Yes, I say to you, fear him. This is it, verse six. Are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins, and not one of them is forgotten before God. His eyes on the sparrow and his eyes on you today. But the very hairs of a head are numbered. Do not fear, therefore, don't be afraid. You're of more value than many sparrows. You are of more value than many sparrows. And then he continues verse eight. Also I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, you see, we see. We live life before the one that sees us. Whoever confesses me before men, him the son of man will also confess before the angels of God. But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. The uh, uh, uh. all sing God. How about the story of the prodigal son in Luke again? Luke, two, is it, um, 15? And we know the Father represents Father God in the story. The one young man that squandered all and spent his life in the world found himself eating the pig's food and remembered sobriety came to his mind. Sobriety came to his mind. In verse 17, Luke 15, When he came to himself, this young prodigal son, when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I'll rise, I will arise. I will arise, and today all of us are going to say, I will arise. I will arise and live life before my God, who sees me from afar off and runs to me and comforts me. I will rise and go to my father and will say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like the one of your high servants. He's got all these conversations going in his head. The father's not waiting for those conversations. The love of the father is moving the father here in, in, in verse 20. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, When this young man was still a great way off, talking within his mind of what he's going to say and beg to the father to forgive him. His father saw him from afar off. His father saw him and had compassion and had compassion. And this is the word today. His compassionate eyes towards you calling you back, back into the fold, back into this treasured moment of your life being found in Christ. The living well that sees you that you now live in, a partaker of his nature, of his life, of his hope, of his mission. His father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him before this young man could even say what he wanted to say. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And you he say." No longer were it to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, to the servants, didn't even address that moment. He He told the servants, bring out the best robe, put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on it, dress him up, dress him up because he is my son. In robes of righteousness, we are dressed today. The signet ring of dominion, the mighty name of Jesus. We bear his name. We are to be conformed to his image. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead. For this my son was dead. (laughs) And is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. He was lost and was found and they began to be merry. Glory be to God. What about in Mark's? We say, see the same compassion of the Father through Jesus here. Jesus walking on the sea of torment. The turbulent sea that the disciples caught themselves in. Mark 6.45. Right after the feeding of the 5,000. Major miracle they all experienced. Mark 6.45. Immediately he, that is Jesus, made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida, while well, he sent the multitude away. So what are we talking about? See the one that sees you. How does he see you? With compassion. Well, he sent the multitude away, verse 46. And when he had sent them away, he departed the mountain to pray. He departed the mountain to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea and he was alone on the land. They were not together. Then he saw them. How did he see them? God, Spirit, Don't see God's, God's He saw them straining at rowing. Straining and rowing. Rowing in this light. Of ours. He sees us. What does he do? Ignore us? When the wind is against us and contrary to us? Coming against the assignment of God to make it to the other side? Is that what Jesus does? Ignore us? No. No. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. Just like he came to Hagar. Just as that of the prodigals and saw him from afar off that young man and ran to him fell and kissed him on his neck came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by but look what happened when they saw him (laughs) so when God sees us only compassion but we are When we find ourselves in this place of fear, when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed he was a ghost and they cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he spoke with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind seized, and they were greatly amazed. They were greatly amazed in themselves. Why? Because God... Forty-five in that moment. They were greatly amazed themselves beyond measure and marveled, for they had not understood about the loaves because of their hearts. Their hearts were hard. And so today this message is, see the one the season. I'm going to finish in Colossians. Colossians 1. I have other verses, but I'll just go Colossians 1. Oh, actually, no, there's one other one. So, do Colossians second second Corinthians. Let's read really the point of the message. Uh, Colossians one. Maybe fifteen. Yeah, Jesus, uh, For whom we have redemption for His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Verse fifteen. He is now faith. Yes, He is. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He's the all-thing God. He is. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Just because you're not seeing with your natural little eyes doesn't mean it's not me. Visible or invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. All bow the knee. And they will all confess the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is before all things. And he is before all things. And in him all things consist. In Him, all things are held together. All things are upheld by the power of His word, the word of His power. The entire universe. And so your life is now found in Him. The consistency, the reality of your life is found in Christ. This living well that sees you. That he's before all things and in him all things consist. And he's the head of the body. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in all things, that in all things, in all things in your life, in all things in my life, in all things in the universe, in all things, political, non-political, he will have the preemption. He will have the preeminence. Why? And so now, because he is the head of the church, he is the head of the church. In uh, this is Paul's heart in Second Second Corinthians. This is the last portion, chapter five. Uh uh Well, let's do six. That's good. Right after five, that <laughs> we're sealed. We have the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. Verse 6, so we are always confident. We are always confident. Knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We live life before the one that sees all things. The invisible God. We are confident, yes, we please, rather to be absent from the body. And to be present with the Lord. Therefore, therefore, because all of us are going to cross over and be present with the Lord. And should Jesus say, will go by the way of the grave. We'll come into this moment, verse 9, that we will be always mindful while here now. Therefore, we make it our aim. Is this your aim? Where the present to absent to be well-pleasing to him. To be well pleasing to him. Last week we talked about faith is a gaze on him. To not depart our gaze and shift it and lower it. Because faith is the only thing that pleases him. We all, we, for we must all appear before. Okay, let's, let's read nine again. Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to him. For we must all, for we must all, because in all things you got the preeminence. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body. Why? Because we live life before the all-seeing God. According to what he has done, whether good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. That Jesus spoke on in Luke 12. We persuade man. We persuade man. Eternity is real. Therefore we persuade men. But we'll, we are, but we are well known to God. We see him the one that sees us. We're well known to God and I also trust are well known in your conscience. And this is it. How do you live life? There's no such thing as living in the shadow. Away from God. We live before God. Or we choose to maybe live in the shadows of darkness. But it's still before God. And so we have to make it our aim. Just as Paul did. Just as Paul so Paul did to the very end. Not to be like King Asa. But to the very end. We ought to make it our aim to be well pleasing to him. Because we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. For each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And so we say in Christ, we bear much food, good fruit for the kingdom of God. Amen. We are done for today. Thank you for joining us.